DIY or Die is recorded on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We would like to acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded and pay respects to Indigenous elders past, present and emerging. Shelly here. I'm just going to let you know the quality of this episode. It's just Amber by themselves, so um, they couldn't get the mic to work. So the quality isn't the best. It's just the laptop uh, mic uh, recording quality. But that's DIY or Die. We just use what we've got, and it's just a short little mini-sode um, of Amber's. So enjoy. Hi, welcome to DIY or Die podcast, a podcast where we talk about music, art, gender, society, politics, and DIY, obviously. My name's Amber, and today we are not joined by Shelly because she's, like, really busy with her band Way Shit. Last night was the launch of the song Don't Stab Me, which you can buy on Bandcamp, and they also released a music video for their song Yarraville Mumps, and you can watch that um, on YouTube. Nice. Um, so I thought I'd give you, like, this little update into what I've been doing and try and get you to love me more than you love Shelly. Haha. Um, I've been super depressed for a while, so I haven't really been doing much art. And I've also been, like, really sick with this chronic sinus infection for ages. And last year I had an operation for the sinus. And uh, then I went to the doctors the other day. And she was like, oh, you might have to have another operation. I'm like, fucking great. And also, like, I went to the psychiatrist and he was just, like, unhelpful. And made me feel terrible. Which, like, I always tell people, like, you probably have to have more than one psychologist slash psychiatrist, you know. You have to, like, keep trying and not give up. Because there's some really shit ones out there. They're really shit sometimes. Like, this one would not talk to me. He didn't say goodbye to me. And, like, he just kept giving me more and more pills. And he was like, what, you can't work? And it's like, how can I work when I'm, like, seeing fake people and talking to myself in the supermarket? Who wants to employ that person? No shit, I can't work. And he's like, what, you want to kill yourself? I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking shit, I don't want to kill myself. I've said this literally every time I've seen you. Which, by the way, he didn't even remember that he had seen me before. I was like, you saw me literally like four weeks ago. Maybe if you looked up from your laptop screen, you would remember. And it's like, he was like, oh, you're really hard to manage, hard to talk to. It's like, well, why are you in this line of work if you can't talk to people who are mentally ill? It's just bizarre. It also made me feel like really bad. Like, he was like, oh, you've been sick all this time, you're not getting any better, even though you're on all these pills, and I was just like, yeah, great, that really makes me feel good, like, I felt like, there was, like, no point, like, like, trigger warning, like, content warning, I felt like killing myself, because, like, he really made me feel like I would never get any better, and that, like, my life is, like, futile, you know, like, I wasn't gonna get any better, and I might as well just die. And what kind of psychiatrist makes you feel like that? A shit one. So, if, like, you deserve, like, everyone deserves to be heard and treated properly. That guy didn't treat me properly, so I'm going to find a new one. And you should too. Like, you should always keep trying to find a new one. Because I have a really good psychologist, and I've tried a million times to find one, and I finally found a good one. So, keep trucking. Because you deserve better. You deserve to be 
treated properly. Like, I know I didn't deserve to be treated like that. So I have been reading more, which is a change because before, like, my concentration was so bad, I'd, like, pick up a book and read it for 50 pages and I just put it down. But I started a Facebook um, book club uh, for chronically ill people. So it's, like, for people who can't attend meetings because they're too sick and tired or people like me who would, like, go to meetings but then, like, not talk because of their anxiety so bad. So it was, like, it's all online, you know. And our first book was How to Be Both by Ellie Smith. And it was really, really good. Like, I really liked it. Like, Ali Smith is one of my favourite authors at the moment. And so her books are, like, a tiny bit hard to get into because of the way she writes. Like, like in How to Be Both, like, she didn't really use – like, she didn't use quotation marks, you know. So it's a bit hard to get into that. But once you do, it's, like, really worth it because she writes, like, really powerfully and really beautifully. And, like, her plots are really interesting and intricate. And, like, I always learn something like, from her books, like, about, like, like, history, you know, and it's always interesting, so that was our first book, I don't know what our second book would be, I don't want to pick our second book, I picked the first book, so I'm like, oh, I don't want to pick the second book, you know, so at the moment I'm reading Kafka's The Trial, which I haven't read for ages, and I really like Kafka, because one of the things that is important to me as a reader I really like it when you like you can read something and you can tell it's by them and they have a really distinct style and they hit on their themes and I hope I am that way about my own writing and my own art that when people like look at it or read it and they're like oh yeah that's by Amber and I can tell so it's like I'm like that when I read Kafka I'm like I can tell this is by Kafka because he hits on like his own themes like so hard and they're like society and class isolation existence and justice and you're just like This, this so it's like so interpretive. Like it's up to you as a reader to like to like figure out like what the book is about. Like really, what he's trying to say. But then like there's so many different interpretations about what it could be. You know what I mean? Like when we studied it, when we studied the metamorphosis of school, like everyone had their own different you know thing about it. You know, and it's like well, I kind of thought that the guy didn't really turn into a cockroach. It was like all the metaphor you know it's like in the exorcist when like reagan turns into like is as like is like possessed by that demon and it's like is she really possessed by a demon because all i see is a girl that's like suddenly started masturbating and talking back to her mother so it's like a metaphor for puberty you know but it's done in a horrific way and that's what makes horror movies so good and maybe I'll talk about that later because that's one of my, like, expert, like, knowledge. Like, Shelly's really smart at everything, I'm pretty sure. And I'm, like, really smart about, like, really tiny niche shit. <laughs> like, the horror films and, like, fucking mental illness. Anyway, going back to the Kafka thing, I really like things that are interpretive. You get to make up your own mind about them, like, ambiguously ending films. Like, Thelma and Louise, did they die? Who knows? When they went over that cliff, maybe they flew away, like in Greece. Um, I'll look up some ambiguously any films and then we'll talk about it, because I love talking about films. When I went to uni, um, I took all these film courses. I didn't know I was supposed to take certain subjects. I just took whatever I wanted. So I took heaps of film subjects. And, like, I had this one really great teacher. And um, we did um, gender, in, gender in film. 
And that's when I really started to like expand my mind about gender and feminism and everything. It was a good time. And we took on um, horror the film, which was good too. So that's why I know so much about horror. They're the only subjects I really paid attention to in my whole life. So I will look up some of those and then we'll talk about it because I love talking about films. I'm excited. I have to go pee, but I will be back. Okay, I'm back. Um, I was thinking that maybe this wouldn't be that interesting to a lot of people, but it's interesting to me and I don't care. Um, while we're talking about films, I want to say that my favourite film is Cube. And everyone should see Cube. Cube fucks you up, but it's amazing. And I really think about it every single day of my life. Cube. I wrote a zine about Cube. You can buy it from my shop. My shopper. Um... Also, remember to take your medication, because I forgot till just now, and I'm going to take my medication right now. So, nice. The most ambiguous movies, according to Google, are number one, Inception. Inception sucks. Inception was a waste of time and a waste of money. I've seen it, and I hated it. Uh, Inception is just basically this guy directing himself off about how smart he is. Fuck Chris Nolan or whoever the fuck made it. Uh, number two is The Graduate, which... In my opinion, it's really sad, like, spoilers, but it came out in, like, the 70s or something. He's like, bang me on the window, you know, I want to break up this fucking wedding. And she runs out of the church, and they get on the bus, which is all very cute. And then just the look on their faces is devastating. It's a really sad movie. Uh, number three is Drive. I see how that's ambiguous. Like, he blinks at the end, so obviously he's not dead. Like, if he didn't blink at the end, then it would be ambiguous, because people would be like, is he dead, or is he alive? Question mark. But I guess the question is, like, whether or not he, like, hooks back up with Carrie Mulligan. But that's not why I was watching it. Like, I was watching it because of Ryan Gosling, you know. And he's not dead, so that's a win for me. Uh, number four is Lost in Translation. The ambiguous thing is, what's this film, Mario, was from to Scarlett Johansson's ear at the end? And it's like, I don't think that's ambiguous because you're just not supposed to know. And when you're not supposed to know, like, you can't make up your mind about what it is because you're just not supposed to know. So it's like, you have to accept that, you know. It was probably something like, please don't accept a trans role in 2018, solid. It'll be a big mistake. And it's also like, really shit thing to do. Uh, number five is Blade Runner. I could watch Blade Runner every single day. I love Blade Runner. If you haven't seen Blade Runner, I'm pretty sure we can't be friends. Um, yeah, of course Blade Runner is like, ambiguous because it's like is he a robot or is he not a robot question mark and it's like I was like yeah he was a robot but then they made a sequel where he's like way old so it's like how could a robot age but then I would never watch the sequel because of moral and philosophical reasons because some movies they just don't need a sequel you just don't need any more money the story was finished it was perfect you don't need to make a fucking sequel like, there are people starving on the street here and need a fucking Blade Runner sequel. Get fucked. Now, the next one is The Shining. Who cares about The Shining? It's kind of a shit movie. It's really misogynistic. It does not hold up. Um, I guess it's like, ooh, he was in the picture. In ye olden times. But he's dead, so just let it go. 
Okay, last on the list, and definitely the most ambiguous, is American Psycho. I've seen American Psycho a lot, and I really like it. The book is, of course, better. Once for a fundraiser at uni, I went dressed as uh, Patrick Bateman because the theme was Cure as a villain, and I was a villain. And I was at the train station in my little suit. And um, these people kept calling me the D word, like school kids. And um, I was like really sad, but I won the costume contest. <laughs> um, so it's definitely the most ambiguous because the whole question is like, did he really kill those people or was he just hallucinating the whole time? And there's like little clues like throughout the whole movie to suggest one way and to suggest the other way. I tend to think that he was hallucinating because like, like one of them, like he killed like a whole bunch of people in this apartment and then like the apartment was spotless and it's like the suggestion, I think it's more in the book than in the movie, but the suggestion is that the real estate agent cleaned it to sell the apartment. And I'm like, why would anyone do that? That is weird. But also, on the other hand, maybe he did it and he forgot. Which, of course, leads us to the question, um, why are mentally ill people often depicted as villains in films? Um, because, like, if he wasn't killing people, if he was just hallucinating, fuck, man, that guy needs help. Like, he was, like, calling out for help. He's all sweaty, and he was like, oh, that guy's business card is better than mine. I'm going to fucking kill myself. Like, he was he was trying to reach out. He, like, called that guy. Like, I ate someone's brain. And they were like, ha, oh, oh, you're all just kidding. Dude, you need better friends, man. Or call the right people. Call the hospital. Get yourself admitted, dude. God, I feel really sad for that guy. And just the other day, I was watching a movie on Netflix called You Got Me or something with Bella Thorne in it. And I love Bella Thorne, but that movie was a turd because it was just about this poor girl who was like, who needed help and wasn't taking her medication. And oh, she's crazy, oh, she's a stalker, oh, she did this, all this shit. And it's like, obviously, she was on the more extreme end of like the spectrum, like, she shot someone. But I think it was more the people around her's fault, like, her parent was, like, absentee and her parent could have done something and her school should have done something. And, like, if, like, she said that the, her medication wasn't working and that's why she wasn't taking it, well, that's her psychiatrist's fault, you know what I mean? So it wasn't really her fault. It was just depicting mental illness in a way that was complete fear-mongering and giving people misconceptions, which is basically what all media does. Because if you think about someone who has, like, schizophrenia, for example, like, would someone employ someone with schizophrenia based on the way that they're depicted in um, mainstream media? No, of course not. They're depicted as completely dangerous, which is totally irresponsible and completely not true. So it's just garbage. And it's really not fair. And it's just a complete lie and it makes people afraid of us. And that's just not fair. And I fucking hate it. Okay, I'm going to stop recording now. Um, this has been DIY or Die podcast. I'm Amber. Thank you for listening. I love you. Bye.